Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope you have a great weekend ahead of you. Oilers training camp continuing. And, of course, fan day tomorrow. So the noon session open to the public. Connor McDavid is expected to skate in that one, as is Leon Dreisaitl. Doors will open to the public at 11 at Rogers Place. Okay, I got to dive right into this. And this... Sometimes I'll say, hey, that's the text of the night. That's a good one. That one made me laugh. That one's clever. This is a candidate for text of the year. It might even be the front runner. So earlier in the show, I said, hey, it's Friday the 13th. Some people get all boogered out by that. Give me a sports story about a superstition, a personal superstition, one you've experienced either as a player or as a sports fan. Well, Jared has aced the assignment. Here is Jared's text message. Read in my first, and I should say there is a, a mild language warning. I, I'm going to say, say the word. It's, it's, it's not that bad. Anyway. Jared writes, Read in my first year of Midget AAA, I was on a powerhouse team from Southside Athletic Club. Our coach, who was excellent but scary in ways today's generation would not comprehend. He believed there was one dressing room at Jasper Place Arena that was cursed because it was half the size of the other dressing rooms. This particular haunted dressing room featured a giant furnace that made strange noises. The year before, whenever SSAC had the room, they lost to horrible teams. My coach said the room caused the games to turn into pissing matches. So he called me the night before a game against a brutal KFC team and asked me if I could be at the rink at 6 p.m. for a 9 p.m. game to get the good dressing room. I said, sure. I arrived at 6 the following evening to see the KFC coach already in the good room, grinning his face off. After the first period, we were down 3-0. The curse of the pissing match furnace was taking hold. In the intermission, my coach blasted me for not getting the proper dressing room. But in the second period, we scored 10 goals and only half of the ice needed to be flooded. The curse was broken. Wow. That is Jared and the curse of the haunted dressing room and its furnace. Was that, was that a dressing room or was that a maintenance room if it had a furnace that large? That's what I wonder. I don't know. I haven't been at Jasper Place Arena for years, but <laughs> I can only imagine. That is an incredible story from Jared, who often texts the show and uh, often has some pretty good things to say. Jared, you have, you have topped yourself. You have, that is just excellent work. I don't know if anybody could top that when it comes to, like, he, he told a story. That was amazing. You could make a movie out of that. Jared, you should write a screenplay.
Like that's a that's a that's the the one pager, you know, when you get to pitch the idea. That's really good. The Curse of the Haunted Dressing Room. Starring Danny DeVito as the furnace. I don't know why I picked Danny DeVito. Jared, great work. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. The Alberta Junior Hockey League season, by the way, uh, underway tonight. Our colleague Brendan Escott calling the Sherwood Park Crusaders game. The U of A football game just underway at Footfield. We'll keep you updated. The Golden Bears coming into this game at uh, one and one The fifth inning taking a while in Toronto. The Blue Jays have picked up a run. They trailed the Yankees 5-4 in the bottom of the fifth. They were up 3-0 at the start of the inning, but the uh, Yankees put a whole bunch together to start that one off. Of course, you can always get more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com. We'll have some more cuts, uh, audio cuts from the training camp skate today as we move along. But over the next uh, few weeks here in Inside Sports, leading up to the NHL regular season, we want to go to some cities and teams of interest to get some storylines there. We went to Winnipeg yesterday. They got Morrissey signed to the big contract. They still have some RFAs unsigned. Let's go to a team uh, that might be able to get into the playoffs this year after a four-year drought to Vancouver from Sportsnet 650 there, our old buddy Andrew Walker. Andrew, how are you doing? Hey, good, Reed. Always good to be uh, on with you guys. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Got to talk to you uh, briefly at the draft in Vancouver, and here we are rolling into a new season. Interesting one for the Canucks, man. I, I, I found them a very uh, a pesky opponent for the Oilers and other teams along the way last year. They, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, but they sort of hung around and had a pretty respectable season. So what are the expectations like for this year? I, I agree with you. I think it's really interesting. I think um, the expectations, well, it's one of two, depending on who you talk to. It's playoffs, like playoffs or bust. Or if you're a little more realistic, I think it's just improvement. Um, they might have overachieved a little bit last year. The West is still going to be a, a tough conference to make the playoffs in. You just want to be better. You want to be in the conversation longer, uh, I think. But you look around the NHL, and, I mean, I could really make the argument that, that not very many teams, read improve their team on paper more than the Canucks did. Like, they didn't lose anybody of note from, uh, from their lineup, and they are parachuting in Tyler Myers, J.T. Miller, Michael Furland, and rookie defenseman Quinn Hughes, along with defenseman Jordy Ben. Now, all these guys have something to like and something not to like. It doesn't mean they're all great deals. It doesn't mean they're all, you know, A-list, first-line players. But those are five NHL players to varying degrees of, of talent that just they parachute into last year's lineup untouched. To me, that's, I mean, that's right up there with what New Jersey and, and uh, New York did. Well, and those new additions are, are pretty interesting. I mean, Furlan's one of those players. I mean, he's had some pretty respectable years stats-wise. Maybe there's still some question marks hanging over him. Or, I mean, is it simply with Furlan, can, can he do it long-term, right? Can he be consistent year after year, give you a reliable goal total? Well, and it, the injury thing, right? This is a guy that it has to play physical. Um, you know, he's, he's a load. If he can play physical and get you 15, 20 goals, fantastic. But for a guy that has to run around and, and has to lay the body, having a, a history of concussions isn't, isn't the greatest thing. We all know that this Vancouver Canucks team for years has struggled staying healthy, and that's probably going to be their undoing again, if, if, if anything is. 
but again, I think that's why they got Furland at a at a decent value contract. I think he signed for a lot uh, cheaper than than people thought, and I think that is because of the injury risk. All right, so those are the guys who were there or who are there, the new guys. Uh, what's going on with uh, with Brock Besser? I mean, is there an update here? Is there is there a concern he might be away from camp for a while? What do you think? Uh, I would be at this point. Um, still stunned if he missed any regular season time. I I don't know what to think anymore, honestly. And I don't. I really don't believe that the Besser Canucks situation is is contentious. Now the Canucks are up around the cap, but that's not why they haven't signed Brock Besser, despite uh, some pretty erroneous speculation uh, and and reporting around here. Uh, you can sign a guy, you can be 10% over the cap, as we know, and then you figure things out before before the season opener. I, I really question um, the level of groupthink here. You have Brock Besser, you have Matthew Kachuk, you have Mitch Marner, you have Patrick Lina, you have Kyle Connor, uh, you have Miko Ranton, and go down the list. Some of these guys share age, agents. I, I really think that nobody wants to be the first guy out of the blocks and ruining it for everybody else. But but the trick the tricky thing is for Besser, this team really needs a good start in order to have a good season. And and Brock Besser's missed some time the last two years with injury. So to miss some time and to get a slow start to your season and injuries not even involved. I think that situation is a little different than, say, a Kachuk or a Marner. Who, like, they can they can sit out uh, a quarter of the year and still be fine, and their teams are still going to be fine. I, it's a little different here. So I I actually don't know what's going on. It doesn't sound like this deal should be that difficult to make, but I I wonder how much groupthink is going on at these RFAs. The Oilers and the Canucks are going to see each other in a preseason home-and-home home next Tuesday and Thursday. They're going to play each other in the very first game of the year on Wednesday, October 2nd. But but focusing on this preseason, I, I mean, look, for Edmonton, they've said McDavid's not going to play or might play a game. I, I think there are some spots you know about. I'm really watching the Oilers' bottom six. There's a bunch of guys in that mix. There's players they signed for cheap who might be able to kill penalties, win face-offs. I think that's probably a key battle area when you go through the preseason. What are you watching on the Canucks? I, I mean, look, nobody really remembers the preseason one-loss record after about two days into the regular season, but what might yep. happen in the preseason where you say, yeah, that guy's Sean or didn't Sean, and that's why the roster shook out this way? Well, one note on the preseason, you're right. Last year around here, um, I've you know I've, I've covered NHL teams for a lot of years, so have you. I've never seen a club have a worse preseason than this Canucks team last year. I think I said on your show, like, we might be looking at the worst Canucks team in history. I really felt that way. And then they won the season opener against Calgary and, and were just fine the rest of the way. They didn't make playoffs, but, you know, it was nowhere as nearly as bad as the preseason uh, let it on. And then, of course, in Edmonton, we know what happened with Ty Ratty, right? We were all chiseling his name on the Rocket Richard, basically. Yeah, and they, they, they only totally lost one exhibition game. Yeah. Oh, oh my God! Well, I mean, throw Pujarvi and and Yamamoto. I mean, the the, the one side looked awesome, but um, here it's kind of the same. It's it's gonna be um, it's gonna be battles for the bottom six. The top six is pretty much set. You have Besser, you have Pedersen, you have Bo Horvat, you have J T. Miller, Michael Furland, and Tanner Pearson. Those are gonna be your top six fours. 
Brandon Sutter is probably going to center the third line. I, I really like Sutter as a player, but he's been hurt uh, for the last couple of years here in Vancouver, uh, like like a lot of guys. It's going to be interesting to see where Josh Levo slips in. It's going to be interesting to see where Sven Berchi fits in, and if uh, and if he can stay healthy. Another guy that's always uh, up for debate here is Jake Furtan, and the big news around the city today. He was bumped down all the way to the third skating group with the minor leaguers because he's the guy, a young player, that comes into camp reportedly out of shape. And that is a big story around here today. Kind of the, like the, the biggest scarlet letter on a millionaire athlete in 2019. How in the hell do you come to training camp as a fat guy? It makes no sense. Uh, that doesn't make any sense, especially the access they have to train. And here's the thing. They're not all in uh, cabins in northern Manitoba by themselves with no sense of what all their buddies are doing. Like a lot of these guys who are opponents during the regular season train together and push each other in the off season. And somehow, and somehow Vertana didn't get the memo. Yeah, and I, and I still don't know. We're going to talk about it lots today. And, and actually Jake Vertanen's going to speak this afternoon, but I, I don't know if it's one of those things where, um, hey, you think you're working hard, but you're not working hard enough, not to get to that level. And that that's a young player ignorance kind of thing, something that they all have to learn, even though he's been around the, the league for a few years. So that is a, a frustrating learning moment for sure. But then the other side is it's just it's just unacceptable. Like you're just you're just not in near good enough shape and what's a big year for you. So I'm intrigued to see exactly which one of those categories it is. But if it wasn't bad, I don't think Travis Green is, is the type of coach that is going to blow up a guy like Jake Vertanen on day one of training camp. Like, this is a really embarrassing day for him. Everybody in Vancouver, every fan, every media member is talking about how Jake comes into camp out of shape. Fans are turning on him. Uh, that's a, It's a big deal. All right. Well, interesting team to watch. A uh, good rivalry with the Oilers. It'll continue this season. Andrew, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, buddy. I know we'll talk again down the road. Sounds good, Reed. Have a good one. Good stuff there from Andrew Walker, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. I think the Canucks are going to be uh, a dangerous team. I don't think they're going to be in the top three in the Pacific. I don't think the Oilers are going to be in the top three in the Pacific. I, I think that the Canucks and Edmonton and Arizona will likely be fighting for fourth in the division and hopefully a wild card, though the Central is pretty good. Kellen, I got a great trivia question. We're going right. to give away a four-pack of tickets to the Eskimos home game against Hamilton one week from tonight. Oh, okay. We're going to do my favorite part of the show, Somebody will have to answer a trivia question live on air, 780-496-0063. You can line up the contestants, and I'll take somebody, uh, I'll, I'll ask. Uh, I'll get them out of the break. I'm going to give the question here ahead of time, okay. and it's a good one, because I would have got it wrong. I would have got it wrong, because I forgot about this individual. Who was the last Edmonton Oiler, the most recent Edmonton Oiler, to wear the number 13? On this Friday the 13th. Who was the most recent Edmonton Oiler to wear the number 13? 780-496-0063. We'll get to the contestants after the break. You 
Bay Golden Bears leading Manitoba 7-6, five minutes into the first quarter at Footfield. Manitoba just got a touchdown earlier. The Bears took the lead on an interception return for a touchdown. Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, we're going to give away a four-pack of... T- we actually have two four-packs. So if, if, you, if you're not the winner, stay on the line because I have a secondary trivia question I'll ask. So don't, don't hang up. Well, unless you want to hang up, but if you want to still want to try to win the tickets, uh, we'll do a secondary trivia question. But the first question is, who was the most recent Edmonton Oiler to wear number 13? We'll start with Raj. Raj, go ahead. Hey, Aria. Was it uh, Jason Garrison? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what, Raj? If someone would have asked me that, I would have got it wrong because I, I forgot that's what he wore for his 17 games as an Oiler right. last season. So good for you, buddy. Cheers. Have you been to an Eskimos game this year? I have not, no. All right. Well, they had been a pretty good home team until the last two games, so hopefully they turn it around with you in the crowd. Hang on the line, okay? Cheers. Okay, so there have been 11 players to uh, wear number 13 for the Oilers over the years. Jason Garrison was indeed the most recent. So for another four-pack of tickets, an individual wearing number 13 scored a playoff overtime goal for the Edmonton Oilers in 2017. Will, who was that player? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to look like an idiot here. I think it's DeHarnay. David DeHarnay, baby. Yes. You got it. You got the Eskimo tickets. Yes. <laughs> that was good. That was good. So this is this is interesting. Uh, DeHarnay wore it. He came over, right? And then he he only played the last what month and a half of the season in the playoffs. Now here, Will, you've already won just for fun. Okay. Do you remember who wore it in between DeHarnay and Garrison? Another guy wore it for part of a season. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh... Veteran player, no. was really good in shootouts, used to play for the Kings and the Flames. Oh, yeah, Jokinen, Jokinen. Michael Jokinen. Camilleri. Oh, crap, jeez. Ah. <laughs> I think Jokinen was 36. You threw me off, Reed, you threw me off. Jokinen was 36. But, Will, you got the Eskimos tickets, uh, like I was saying earlier. Hopefully they get back on uh, back on their feet next home game against the Tiger Cats. Hang on the line, okay? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Reed. All right, so we got a couple uh, winners with uh, number 13 related questions. David DeHarnay. The overtime winner, the last time the Oilers were in the playoffs in 2017. All right, it is 727, a little more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. More on the number 13 and superstitious athletes when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet.
right, thanks a lot for tuning in. Yankees leading the Blue Jays 5-4. That's in the top of the seventh. Canada West football, Golden Bears and Manitoba tied at seven with five and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Southside, uh, Rob says, uh, hey, Reed, great possible text of the year from Southside Athletic Club. Jared, I was an assistant coach on that team when we played at JP, now Bill Hunter Arena. That dressing room was jinxed until that game. David Lang, uh, Damon Lankow, Stephen Reimprecht, Chris Dingman, Ray Schultz, and others became great hockey players because of that tough, fair, and superstitious head coach. He was a great man. That's a text coming in from Southside Rob. We uh, gave away a couple four-packs of Eskimos tickets. Questions related to Edmonton Oilers who have worn the number 13. Jason Garrison, the most recent. David DeHarnay was wearing 13 when he scored in overtime against the Sharks in Game 5 of the first round in 2017. Here are the players who have worn number 13 for the Oilers. And I'm just, I just brought up their media guide where it has the numerical roster. So in alphabetical order, I won't mention DeHarnay and Garrison. Cam Barker, Mike Brown, Mike Camilleri, Andrew Cogliano, Todd Harvey, Risto Yalo, who I, I will admit I have no recollection of Risto Yalo, Ken Linsman, Steve Pinisato, and German Titoff. I forgot that Titoff played with us. Did he say it German or German? I think he said it German, didn't he? Yeah, German Titoff. I honestly don't know who Risto Yalo is. Somebody's <laughs> going to have a better remember, remember, uh, memory than I do about the team. How much do you think his rookie card is worth? I don't know, $4,000? <laughs> James says, I read, I know he's with another media outlet, but a shout-out to Daryl McIntyre on a great broadcasting career. Absolutely. That is from mm-hmm. James. Uh, did his last uh, newscast tonight over at CTV. Man, I've been watching him for a long time. Maybe we'll see if he'll come on Inside Sports one night. That'd be fun. He's an icon for sure. Yeah. Edmonton icon. Yep. Uh, my folks grew up watching him all the time. So he's a... We'll be Your savviness. folks grew up watching him all the time? Or I, I, I grew up Jerry in a house where my folks watched him all the time. Okay, there we go. <laughs> It's Friday. My brain you're is having, just You're having a bit of a tough point, day. So. That's okay. I've had them too. I had them too. Uh, Maple Leafs signing Mitch Marner to a six-year contract is worth $10.89 million per year. That is the seventh highest annual average value on a contract in the NHL. It's third highest on the Leafs. He's behind Tavares and Matthews. So they're going to have about three players making about 40% of their contract, uh, of their uh, salary cap. The Jets have granted defenseman Dustin Bufflin a leave of absence, no timeline for his return. Head coach Paul Maurice said there is nothing sinister to this, but Bufflin uh, needs to be away from the team for a little while. You can text 63630, the phone number 780-496-0063. All right, uh, Oilers training camp. Rolling along, uh, again, here is head coach Dave Tippett on uh, McDavid. Connor McDavid's fine out there. He's, he's uh, did all the drills. He was, uh, after some conversations yesterday, it, uh, a lot of the drills are the same stuff he's been doing for the last few days, so he jumped in. Uh, still not, we're not going to throw him in any games anytime soon here. We're going to see how it goes for a few days, but... He uh, it was a pretty hard practice, pretty intense practice. He went through it. He's fine. 
Chris Russell did not skate today, probably won't skate for about a week. He's going through the concussion protocol just to be safe after a collision at one of the captain skates earlier this week. And Mike Smith staying away from the team for the time being as he gets over the flu. Doors open for fan day to the public tomorrow at 11. The on-ice session is at noon, and Connor McDavid is scheduled to be in that noon on-ice session. There will be an earlier one at 9.30 in the morning. Okay, we've been uh, weaving in some stories about superstition and the number 13 on today's show. So let's get to a guy who uh, literally has written books on it. Uh, You know what, I'm pleased to track this guy down. He's an anthropology professor at the University of San Francisco. He used to play minor league baseball, and he studied and is studying superstition in athletes. Please welcome to Inside Sports, George Gamelch. George, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, good, Reed. Thanks. Happy to be here. Well, happy to talk to you, and I guess I should wish you happy the Friday the 13th to get our conversation rolling, right? <laughs> right. I'm not superstitious, so it's fine. <laughs> well, that's I'm, I'm glad you aren't, because that's why I want to talk to you. And in, in the world of sports, there there is routine, there is preparation, Sometimes it crosses the line into superstition. Sometimes it goes way over the line in people's heads. But let's, let's start at the, the, the beginning for you. This is a, a really interesting field of study. You're, you're a professor of anthropology, but why specifically have you been studying superstition in athletes? I'm really curious. Well, it's, I mean, really it started more than 50 years ago when I was playing minor league baseball and I came back one season and I took a course called Magic, Religion, and Witchcraft. And the professor was talking about rituals and superstitions among a tribal group called the Trobian Islanders. And sitting in the, this large, this was in the 60s and classes like that, you know, were of great interest to students. 400 students in there and I thought gee this is a lot like what we do in baseball and that is he was describing these rituals that gave the Trobian Islanders confidence in areas of great uncertainty and uh, his example was when they fished in the inner lagoon they they didn't have any magical rituals or taboos but as soon as they left the security of the lagoon and were on the open ocean they did and to me, uh, you know, I was thinking, maybe not at that instant, but later on, that gee, when you're fielding, you don't. There really aren't many rituals. If for most guys, none. Whereas when you're hitting or pitching, where there, there's a great deal of uncertainty in baseball, there's a lot of stuff. In fact, most of the things that ball players do, that fans know about, and that teammates know about all are associated with hitting and pitching and not with fielding so that was the beginning of it okay well that that's interesting so does superstition develop around things that you feel nervous about you feel uncertain about maybe you have too much time to think about because if a ball's hit at you you got to react and you get a feel it but when you know like when you're hitting you got time to think about the count what pitches like is that how superstitions are born then yeah well superstitions are really born out of usually out of either really good performance exceptionally good performance or, or exceptionally bad performance so if you in my case i was actually superstitious when i was a ball player I once uh, struck out three times after eating pancakes for breakfast. And then a few weeks later, I again had pancakes for breakfast and struck out 
free time for something like that. And then I developed a, a taboo against eating pancakes. Now, there's a guy, Jim Palmer, who used to pitch for the Orioles at that time. He had the opposite experience. He, he associated eating pancakes with good performance. So that became kind of his, his um, game day ritual when he was starting to have pancakes. So it's not so much the actual ritual itself or the taboo itself. It's, the, it's what's associated with it. But I think, you know, a lot of things are kind of general. Uh, well, there are things that you do, like, just before going to bat. You know, you might take a certain number of warm-up swings. You might tap the plate a certain number of times. Or you might touch your letters or touch your crucifixes and so on. But there are other things that you do uh, before the game starts, like maybe putting your uniform on in a particular order or driving a particular route to the ballpark, or eating a particular meal like Wade Boggs having chicken before he played each day that are, is associated in your mind. It can, basically, you do it because it gives you confidence that you're going to play better, that you've got luck on your side. Well, so l- let me ask you this. through In your studies and your experience, what's the difference between a superstition and a routine can you can you clarify that yeah well that's a really good point i mean well basically in anthropological terms superstitions have no no connection no empirical connection between the act and the desired outcome like tapping the plate three times there's nothing there's nothing no real connection between that and getting a base hit right so those are superstitions Whereas routines are things that players do every day um, as a matter of routine, just to kind of also to give themselves confidence. But they don't, they usually don't think, if you ask them, well, is this going to make you play better? You know, they'll usually say no, but, you know, it makes me feel more comfortable. And it it does kind of, it does give me confidence. And everybody who plays sports knows that um, having confidence uh, in, increases your chances of a good performance. Um, you know, you hit better, pitch better, whatever, if you're confident that you're going to do well at it. George Gamelch joining us on Inside Sports, professor of anthropology at the University of San Francisco, former minor league baseball player, and we're talking about superstition in sports. So from what you've seen, I don't know if you have an example or maybe there's just a, a, some general stories about it, but when does a superstition or superstitions become unhealthy for an athlete can it ever you know actually muddle up an athlete when she's actually doing something that's trying to help yeah i I think when it gets really convoluted and i mean when when so many there are so many elements to it like they used to call kind of forgotten the guy's name now the human rain delay um, because he had so many different so many different elements in his his um his batting routine I think that can be unhealthy. Um, and, I mean, I, Pablo Sandoval, had, um, he had this little routine at the, or ritual at the plate where he would, you know, make four or five taps and then tap his shoes and then tap the plate. You know, I think that, that can, I mean, maybe not for him, but, I mean, certainly it slows the game down and, uh, and may become unhealthy. He's actually stopped doing that. Uh, I don't know the circumstances of that but 
So I think, you know, for most people, it's fine. It's just, you know, if it gives you confidence, it's worth doing. Well, that's a good way to look at it. And, and every athlete I talk to, have talked to will tell you confidence is at least something of a factor in their performance. For, for some athletes, it's, it's almost everything. So this, this is really interesting. What is the... I don't know if you have a story from your playing days or just from your uh, your research days. What is the oddest superstition you ever saw or ever heard about? Um, golly. Well, here's a weird one. I had a teammate. You know, actually, he's a former student who played in the Expos organization that I interviewed. That's what it was. He... Um, they arrived in town. He was hungry. He went to Long John Silver's. It's a seafood restaurant chain and got three hits that night. And then every town they went to on road trips for quite a while, he would seek out a Long John Silver's. So he was associating sort of having a meal at that particular restaurant. It wasn't even a particular food. It was just eating at that restaurant with good performance and he kept that up for quite a while until i think he went into a slump and then as many players do when you slump then you change you mix up the rituals uh, and the routines and try something different oh that's great well uh you know george i feel like i've got to know you a little bit today because i've been reading some of your stuff online you've written a ton of books but i want to give you a chance here to uh to plug your baseball book i think people would be interested in this one well, let's see. I mean, I think the probably I've uh, written several, but the one I would recommend if people are interested is called Playing with Tigers, a minor league chronicle of the 60s. And basically it's about what the minor leagues were like in the 1960s, but kind of looking through the prism of the counterculture and the Vietnam War and um, and I played in the South and, and Jim Crow and Beck that's where my career ended sort of writing about Jim Crow but um, yeah so that would be published by University of Nebraska Press which has a board slip and coming out in paperback next year so Marie thank you for the plug well thanks for coming on I don't know if you woke up this morning thinking a radio station in Edmonton would want to talk to you about Friday the 13th and superstitions but this this was a pretty fun chat George so thank you very much for checking in I, I, I didn't think that, but actually I, the last six summers I've been working in Newfoundland and I used to teach at McGill and, and also at Memorial in Newfoundland. So I have a, a, a deep Canadian connection and a great affection for all things Canadian, um, even rooting for the Raptors against my hometown Warriors. Oh, that's, that's cool, George. Thanks for coming on tonight. That is George Gamelch, former minor league baseball player, anthropology professor at the University of San Francisco who has studied superstition in athletes. Ah, oh, that was pretty cool. That was fun to have George on the show. Blue Jays might need a little magic tonight. Down 5-4 to the Yankees in the bottom of the seventh. And the U of A Golden Bears started the second quarter, leading the Manitoba Bisons 16-7 over at Footfield. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Take- hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. 
Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A quick timeout. Ethan Bear pushing for a spot on the Oilers' blue line. He spoke to Bob Stoffer. Ethan, you uh, you don't quite look the same this year. Uh, obviously, you've had a great season off-season uh, off training-wise. Uh, just uh, maybe educate us on sort of what you did, how you changed uh, the body composition because you look a lot quicker out there. Yeah, um, well, I just took it more serious this summer. Uh, obviously, a from uh, last year and dealing with injuries and setbacks, I, I didn't want to you know, deal with or deal with the feelings of being not strong enough or not in good enough shape when I got here. So I make sure I did re- good rehab. I ate clean um, and just trying to work out every day with Chad. But at the same time, try to do something to better myself in the gym and just um, taking care of my body wise. And uh, with that, I just kind of I just got more confident on the ice. I can feel stronger um, and just quicker. just the way yeah quicker. Um, and it was just like uh, it was really a big eye opener for myself. Uh, you know, I, w- I wish I knew it sooner, but as like. You know, it's just a learning experience, part of growing up, and you know, I'm really happy to have figured it out. I'm told you were here all summer, and you never missed an on-ice session during the entire uh, summer. So, yeah. is that part of the, the you know, the commitment? Because you want to make that jump, don't you? You've had, you had, you had a taste, yeah, yet, right? Yeah. But it's been two years pro now. You want to make that jump? Yeah, no, I, I really do, and it's just kind of a, what kind of thing is I kind of just from watching like pro sports more often now, being in the states, like watching basketball and LeBron, and kind of listen to Kobe Bryant, how they would do just like hearing their stories about how they would come to work every day and better themselves and just try to get better and master their game and I just kind of just from watching them just kind of to try to pick up those habits of myself and just kind of work on myself each day like just the way they would do it because you know they're they're phenomenal athletes so I think uh, you know that's what I really wanted to do I wanted to make sure I was on the ice every day and even when I was gone uh, I was always arranging like the my ice times for when I was somewhere else to kind of stay on the same routine as I would be if when I was in Edmonton you, I mean, obviously, look, they bought out Andre Sacra. There's an open, they've got five returning defensemen. There's two open spots. You want one of those spots, and there's an open spot on the right side because the coach wants to go lefty-ready combination. Yeah, no, that's, uh, no, it gives me a lot of opportunity. So right now I'm just trying to make sure I take care of my body and, and making sure I'm, I give my chance, I mean, give myself the best chance to be ready at practice each day and, and show up when I have to. We appreciate your time. Best of luck here in preseason. Yeah, thanks, Bob. All right, that's Ethan Bear, and talked to him uh, two or three weeks ago, too, at the uh, Perry Pern camp, and he said he's never been in better shape and, and realized how much uh, better he had to be just in terms of working out in the summer, eating better, all that kind of stuff. So uh, Ethan Bear will push. I mean, I think Joel Pearson has the inside spot here on being the right shot day on the uh, right shot D-man on the opening day roster. Clearly, Evan Bouchard is a uh, pretty high p- prospect for the Oilers as well. He was paired with William Lagason today. Darnell Nurse was with Adam Larson. You, ha- you were down a D-man in the morning group, but Clefbaum was with Pearson quite a bit. And uh, Brandon Manning, I mean, I wonder if Brandon Manning could be kept around as the number seventh D-man to start the year while they season some other guys in the minors. That's going to be 
another storyline to follow. The Blue Jays have tied it. It is 5-5 after 7 as they take on the Yankees. And the U of A Golden Bears still up 16-7 on the Manitoba Bisons three minutes into the second quarter. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. On Monday... We start a busy week of Oilers hockey broadcasts on 6.30, Chet. Four games in five days to get the preseason going. Our face-off show will be at 5.30. The game against the Winnipeg Jets will commence at 7. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer this evening. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Friday. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.